years ago, I stopped setting goals altogether because I felt like I was on a goal treadmill. I set goals and achieved them over and it wasn't making me happier. So I stopped for years and just worked on what I felt inspired to do. Only that took me in so many directions that I ended up in the busyness trap that you heard about in episode 14. So I've been interested in how to set goals in a way that leaves you feeling fulfilled and takes you in the right direction for you. And I've studied goal setting for years. Setting goals is important because the top 5% of performers set goals. And if you want to succeed in business, this is a sure way to get farther than you would by just taking what comes your way. So if you have aims to move up in your career and lead at the senior levels to be part of the decision making instead of executing on other people's decisions, you'll want to stick around for this episode. I'm Jill Avey, a career success coach, and this is Sister Smart Leadership, the show that explores how women can rise from director to vice president and beyond by fully leaning into their feminine energy as their biggest advantage. Let's get you one step closer to the recognition and promotion you deserve. I'm joined here today by our Sister Smart coach who coaches our senior leaders. Her name is Lisa Kolish, and we're going to take you through the Sister Smart method of setting goals that we feel works best for women. The way goal setting works for most people is that the company gives you a set of strategic objectives and then asks you to set your goals. This usually results in goals that are good for the company, but not necessarily good for you. Instead, think about setting goals in alignment with both your organization and your own desires in order for you to feel motivated to do what it takes to accomplish them, including overcoming the predictable and unpredictable obstacles along the way. So using SMART goals alone is how I ended up on that goal-setting treadmill, checking boxes, but no fulfillment or alignment with your true purpose in life. We want you to set goals not just for your work, but for your whole life. And in order to do this, we need a little upfront work to think about your purpose first. So Lisa, how can our listeners find their purpose? Yes, purpose is very important. It's really essential that before you identify your goals and go out in the world to achieve them, that first you explore who you are and what you want and why you're here. What would give purpose or a sense of meaning to your life? Now, I know that may sound a little bit overwhelming because it's a huge purpose, but it is important that our goals have some juice behind them. Otherwise, they're just like a checklist of things to check off, and it's really hard to stay committed to them. So when we live into our purpose, our life has meaning. Research says that a predictor of not just psychological health, but also physical health and general well-being across diverse cultures. So knowing the why behind your goal, which the author Simon Sinek and coach Simon Sinek talks a lot about, knowing the why behind your goals, it gives you the motivation that you need to achieve them even when they're obstacles to overcome. So one really good way to do this work is something called Ikigai. And it's a, it, it comes from Japanese culture and it's an exercise. And it helps you find the intersection between personal fulfillment and professional fulfillment. So there are four key areas that you explore. Where those four things intersect is your ikigai. It's your meaning. It's your purpose. So the first one is what you love to do. So what gets you excited? What do you like to talk about for hours? What do you enjoy doing or learning about? So what you love to do. 
The second one is what does the world need? The world is full of problems. What are the problems that need to be solved? Are you in a field that's obsolete and need to retrain? What are the solutions or help that people are looking for? So what does the world need? So what you love to do, what the world needs. The third one is what you can get paid for. What are people or companies, organizations willing to pay for? And how competitive is your field? So that's what you love to do, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. And the fourth area is what are you really good at? What are you great at? What do people come to you? for advice on. Where do you feel at ease in your work? And if you're not sure about what you're great at, get some feedback. Ask some of your coworkers. Ask some of your colleagues. Ask your friends. Ask your family. What are you really good at that fits that? So those four areas, what you love to do, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and what you're really good at, they intersect somewhere. And that's your idea or your Thank you so much, Lisa. I love that Ikigai exercise. It really helps to fill out what could be your purpose. Because some people think that their purpose has to be some lofty thing that I have to change the world. And yet purpose can be something that's very simple, but meaningful to you. So as we talk about goal setting, we first want to talk about ends goals, because it, this is the piece that's missing from the SMART framework. No one ever would have landed on the moon from SMART goals. And so we need this extra piece that's creating your vision. And the ends goals are the way that we do that. So the thing is that SMART goals are really helpful. And I think that they maybe even work better for men because men love to track things and measure things. And they tend to be linear thinkers and kind of competitive with numbers and wanting to improve things. But, but I see that that doesn't always work for women. Women tend to not have so much of that competitiveness to them and that kind of tracking and looking at the numbers all the time, it tends to be less meaningful for them. But what women are great at is setting a vision and creating what that scenario might look like for them in the future. And so this is more about what you envision and what you see happening for you, where you want to go. And so when you set an ends goal, you set that goal for the future, but you don't worry about what it's going to take to get there. You don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to know all of those stepping stones in between here and there. You're just setting that very end vision to you. So uh, a, a good way to, to ex describe this is through uh, an experience that I had. So I was out buying a house. Uh, my husband and I moved to New Hampshire and we had a real estate agent who was helping us find a house. And we had just a few days to find something because we'd flown in because a company was moving us. And so we looked at about eight houses and we had this list of things that we were looking for. And we wanted something that was in the city. Um, we needed sidewalks to walk our dogs. We needed a fence for the dogs. And it needed to be two bedroom because I like a small house, so I don't have a lot to clean. <laughs> and then we wanted to be able to walk to the grocery store and we wanted, I wanted to be able to ride my bike to work. So it needed to be cycling distance from work. And then we also needed a garage because we had uh, six motorcycles at the time. <laughs> so that was our list. And our agent found all kinds of places that fit this criteria, but nothing was working. And so before I even understood ends goals and means goals, I did this process. I said to my husband, this isn't working and we need to try something different. And that's our philosophy is we always try something different if whatever we're doing is not working. And so 
So we sat down and what we did is we set our ends goals for this instead. And so what we came up with was that we wanted a house that felt warm and welcoming. And we wanted a house that made guests feel comfortable because we're, we were moving across the country and we wanted to have people come visit us and we wanted them to come back. <laughs> and we wanted a garage with ample room for these motorcycles. And we wanted easy access to workouts because that's really what that walking was about. And we wanted a place where the dogs could exercise easily. We also wanted to feel welcome in our community. And that list that we had in the beginning was trying to get us these things. And so when we set these ends goals, where we set this vision of what this life was going to be like for us, the real estate agent found us our perfect house. And we still talk about how great this house was. And guess what? It was not in the city. It was in the suburbs. It did not have sidewalks. It did not have a fence. <laughs> we built that. It had three bedrooms. It was twice the size of the house we were leaving in Seattle. We could not walk to the grocery store. I could ride my bike and it had a beautiful garage, <laughs> but it didn't have all of these major criterias that we had set out because we didn't know what we didn't know. And so what ends goals help us do is to let all the other forces in the world, your higher power included, come to, into play for you and help you get there. I talk about this as when you're driving a car at night and you can only see as far as the headlights and you don't know what else is down there in front of you on the road. And you can only see, you only, this is what you know is what's in the headlights. And so when you're, when you're setting these end goals, you can leave it out to not knowing how you'll get there. And then you just set that vision instead. Yeah. Yeah. What you're talking about, what, what it makes me think of is that you're talking really bit. how do you want to feel? How do you want to experience the house? Exactly. And some of the details are less important than the ultimate, how do I want to feel there? And that their different details could help you get to the same place. Is what exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So you have your ends goals. Let's say you've set your ends goals. Well, then it's time to actually look at the means goals. And the by means goals, we mean like the stepping stones that you need to get to your goals, to get to the end states or the interim goals or every project along the way that's going to get you to the end goals. So the end goals, as Joe was saying, are vision-oriented. The means goals are action-oriented. They're more concrete. They're practical. And the best thing to do is to break means goals into small pieces so that we can take more action. Every time we take more action, we get more accomplishment. We get more celebrations, and this fuels us to get to our end goals. Now, going back to something Jill said earlier, she was talking about SMART goals, which many people know about. So SMART stands for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. And those are useful criteria, but they're really not enough, at least not for most so we talk about smarter goals. We add an E and an R at the end. So these are smarter goals. So we add the word exciting, E for exciting, R for resonant. If your goals don't feel exciting and resonant to you, it's going to be really hard to stick with them, these means goals, to stick with them. You want to get to the point where for each of these means goals, it's kind of, it's a hell yeah. Hell yeah, I want that. Yes, I want that. That's what's going to keep you going even during the hard times. 
Another thing that's really important with setting means goals is what I like to call a learning or a growth mindset. So there's always that question with means goals is how aggressive a goal do I want to have? How much of a stretch goal do I want to be? Because after all, I don't want, if I fail, if I don't accomplish it, I don't want to feel bad. But I also want to stretch because you never know what I could actually accomplish. I'd say the most important advice I could give is to have a learning mindset and know that even if you don't accomplish your means goals exactly the way you want it to, or you make mistakes along the way, you learn, we learn, we all learn and grow every time we make a mistake or we don't accomplish something, as well as when we accomplish something, and sometimes even more from when we don't accomplish. And then those learnings we incorporate into our lives and they make us smarter going forward. So this question is, what am I going to learn on this journey? It's a great way to approach goal setting so that you might take some risks to set goals that are a little more ambitious than you would have thought of, knowing that well, if you don't get there, you've learned something and you're not going to give yourself the whole time. The other thing I wanted to say about this is make this process your own. Sometimes it's difficult to have a clear vision, like you can't have a vision, but you want to work on the means goals and the ends. Sometimes it's helpful to start with your means goals if you don't have a clear vision. And the metaphor we like to use is it's kind of like a staircase. So if you're going up the stairs and there's a door and you can't see beyond the door until you get to the top of the staircase and then you open the door and then you see, oh, there's another staircase or whatever. Don't worry if you don't know what's behind the door. Sometimes, like I said, it's helpful to set some means goals and get into action about them. And as you move forward with them, you might see either the next means goal or you might see the end goal that you're trying to go for. So start wherever you are and work from there. That's such a great advice, Lisa. I remember one client that went on her personal strategy retreat and she was just struggling with figuring out her end goals. She just couldn't quite get her vision together. And so what she did was she went to her means goals because she knew some actions that she wanted to take. And then she was able to, through those actions, then see what that vision was and create the ends goals and then the means goals to fill that out. So it's really important to as you're saying, to make it your own and to just do what's working for you in that moment. And that may change even year to year of how you want to set your goals and what vision is coming together for you. The other piece is who do I need to be, right? Who do I need to be in order to accomplish my means goals? Did you want to say something about that, Jill? Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is an important piece because we're going to need to be a different person than we are today when we are that person that's accomplishing that goal. There's going to be something that's shifting and new for us. And whether it's a little thing or a big thing, we're going to, we're going to change and grow in that process. And so it's really helpful if we think about how we will be when we get there and start to grow ourselves into that bigger person. I like to compare that to the those Russian dolls that nest in each other. We have to kind of become a bigger and bigger version of ourselves we grow throughout life. And as we take on bigger things and do those stretch projects that you were talking about, we have to have that mindset of seeing ourselves 
actually doing that. And if we can see ourselves doing that beforehand, the whole journey becomes easier if we've got that vision to start with. When we're thinking about that ends goals and that new bigger self that I was talking about, Lisa, what is your advice for how can we really envision that next stage for ourselves? Yeah, so it's like you said before that you're going to be a different person when you get there because you will have had some whole new set of experiences when you get to your end goals. And you'll be more evolved. You'll be bigger. You'll have a different energy about you. So it's really useful to start seeing yourself now as that person so that you can step into that vision. What I do and what I suggest clients do is that they actually close their eyes and they imagine that they're there at the end of those end goals or in, and at that vision and just imagine themselves at that time of their life. And maybe it's their, it's a wiser, elder, future self. And one thing that's really important is the connection to meaning. So your goals you set because they had some kind of meaning for you, some kind of purpose, taking us back to Ikigai, these end goals. And so they're obviously important to you. And so just close your eyes and imagine yourself having accomplished those things that you wanted to. And imagine what wisdom that person, that person who's you might have for you. And that is a wonderful way to start seeing yourself as that person in a different light. Oh, that's so beautiful. I can't wait to do that. And I hope everybody listening will take a moment to do that too. And what about habits, Jill? I know habits are a big part of this. (laughs) They are a big part. I like to think about what are the things that I'm going to need to do that are different from what I'm doing now? So what kind of person do I need to be that I'm not being now? So an example here would be last year, I made a big effort to become a a voice on LinkedIn and I had to become a different person. And I, I always encourage all my clients to do this same thing as well. But I had tried to tried to make an, an effort on LinkedIn for years, actually, and I had been posting, and but it was a little bit haphazard, and I was trying to fit it in the cracks, and that never works. So I decided, okay, I, I'm going to really do this thing, and I'm going to be the kind of person that has a following on LinkedIn. And so what I did is I just, I actually scheduled into my calendar, and I spend an hour each morning doing comments on other people's posts. And I spend time every weekend working on my own posts. And so I had to become the kind of person that devotes time every day to being on LinkedIn and interacting with the community there, finding my community. And I also have to be the kind of person that works on my craft of writing as well and creating content that people will appreciate. So that was a major shift for me in both my day, my workload, and my identity too. And so... And Lisa's going to talk a little bit more about the identity here, but when we can figure out these shifts that we have to make and what our actions are going to look like, then it can help you to see what sorts of habits you need to change. And so I had to change some habits as well. And one great place to start when you're talking about habit change is we have two books that we recommend here. And one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
And the other is How to Change by Katie Milkman. And we'll put some links to those in the show notes for you. To figure out which habits am I going to need to change to be able to get to these goals is a very important step. And then, so we can do a couple of things to um, create habits. Uh, uh, one thing that, that Katie talks about is using fresh starts. So the new year is a great time for fresh starts is why people set New Year's resolutions, but also spring or the beginning of summer or the, the end of summer and the fall can be a good fresh start time. So if you can kind of find your reason for fresh start, that can be really helpful. Setting your intentions and really setting your mindset and your environment up to be able to create this new habit is important too. And then one of the things that, that Atomic Habits is famous for is what's called habit stacking. And so if you can find another habit to take this habit onto. So, and his example is when I brush my teeth, I'm going to floss. And so what I'll do is when I get up and have my coffee, then I'm going to meditate. And so stacking things together helps you remember to do them really. Then we make it attractive. So it has to be something that you want to do. When you were talking, Lisa, about the ER and the smarter, making it exciting and resonant. And this is how we can make habits stick for us is that we actually want to do them. I like to look for the joy in it. Go back to Marie Kondo and, and figure out, hey, is this new habit bringing you joy? And it should be. If you need some help with that, you can use what's called commitment devices. An example of this was I wanted to start working out. And so I joined this Pilates studio and they had this policy where you only have so many slots in the studio. You had to book it ahead of time. And if you didn't show up, they charged you $14 and donated that to the scholarship fund. $14 wasn't going to break my bank, but it was enough motivation that I didn't want to spend that money every week. And so I made it the thing. And that got me back into a habit of working out because I'd really lapsed and I'd gotten out of shape. And I, so I needed to really establish doing exercise as a whole new lifestyle. And so that was really helpful to do that. And then the third thing is called make it easy. So Cue-based plans are one of the things that's most helpful. And so it's, you tell yourself when X happens, I will do Y. And so you figure out what your X is for this new mm -hmm. habit. What is the thing that's going to basically remind you to do this? It's a little bit like habit stacking, but it can be used in all kinds of different ways. So when I walk through the door of my office, I'm going to do something. When I sit down, I'm going to do something. So we can use that, those cues to be really helpful. These are ways that we can reduce friction to creating the new habits. And then the fourth thing in creating good habits is making it satisfying. So this is the reward piece of really rewarding yourself for every little step of the way and every achievement of every time you do it, particularly in the very beginning, you really need to celebrate the, every little thing you did. And so find, find some rewards for you. I am the I'm the queen of creating silly little rewards that help me to keep going on things. And like, I'll just withhold something from myself and then give it to myself as a reward or even just a special cup of tea can be a reward for me. Also, there's um, something called streaks where you can use a calendar and put an X on the day every time you did the thing that you want to do. And counting your streaks is really helpful too, because then you, you get a, a certain amount into a streak and then you don't want to break it. I know I meet my meditation partner at 5.20 a.m. every day, and we have been doing this since July. And so neither of us want to break our streak. And so we've taken the holidays off and a few sick days, but we keep going. And so that it's incredibly motivating now because we really don't want to don't want to stop this. 
And then the final thing here that I want to say is don't beat yourself up. Part of making it satisfying is just being gentle with yourself. If you stop, if you don't do it, if you break your habit, just get back on the horse. Like, don't let that get you down. Just pat yourself on the back and go, yeah, tell yourself making habits is hard. This is hard work that I'm doing and it doesn't always work the first time. And it's not a matter of doing it every single day or every single time. The matter, the part that's important about creating habits is that we do it and that we keep doing it and that we keep coming back. So that's really in a nutshell how to create good habits. And you, I'll, we'll put links in the show notes about those, with those two books because they're really helpful in doing that. So what we've talked about is finding your purpose by doing Ikigai exercise. And we've talked about ends goals and means goals, the habits that we'll need to get there and who our future self is going to be and what that's going to look like. At the end of each episode, we like to give you three shifts that you can make today to start your goal setting. So we have a step-by-step process to take you through your goal setting. First, do the Ikigai exercise that we talked about and you will find the link to the free guide on how to do that in the show notes. And then next, watch our free video training on how to set ends goals and means goals at sistersmart.com slash goal setting, all one word. This is also linked below. And finally, fill out the worksheets that you'll get in that training to create your ends goals that um, create that vision of where you want to go. And then you can use our smarter goal worksheets to think through your means goals as well. So think about one goal that you would like to make. What is the smallest possible step that you could take to get that goal started? If you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments what you would do first. Are you ready to try setting ends goals and means goals so that you can be one of the top 5% performers? Go to the show notes and download the Align with Purpose guide to find your Ikigai and watch the free video course on Sister Smart Goal Setting. The links are in the show notes. And if you want to dive deeper into women's leadership and how to move up in your career, subscribe either on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm on a mission to help more women get into leadership and stay there. And if that's aligned with you, I'd love to have you be part of this community and tune into more episodes on Sister Smart Leadership that will help you become the leader you want to be. If you're ready to fully lean into your feminine leadership and get promoted from director to vice president and beyond, hit that subscribe button so you'll get all the episodes to come. And check out the recommended video here to see how women are rising up without playing by the old rules that built these male-dominated industries and systems. If you're seeing just how differently women lead and how by doing so, women leaders can gain influence, restore balance, and earn the recognition and promotions they deserve, I would love it if you left a rating and review. I read each one and these reviews make it possible for me to reach more women leaders like you so they can rise up as far as they'd like without getting stuck.